I don't know if it's a poem or a quote that says something about going from strength to strength. And I always wondered about that because I was just like, I've never felt like I've gotten to that point where I'm going from like strength to strength. I'm like, (laughs) I go from strength to boom, (laughs) back up again. And I've never really felt necessarily what that would look like. But unfortunately, too, it is easier for, I think, maybe anybody that's struggled. I I don't want to say that I have a special experience but i think it is easy when you've grown up i'm gonna venture out and say it in a religious atmosphere where anything that you think about yourself is a doubt you're never supposed to think good about yourself everything is about jesus or god and if you've had that since you were a child that's just ingrained into you it makes sense that it's hard for us to look back and see, oh, actually, these are the things that we've been doing. We have been putting one foot in front of the other <laughs> for years and years, and we've learned a little bit along the way. You know how some people have kids really young? Yeah. And then they're struggling, and the kids are little, and then, you know, then in their later years, they're younger, and now they're reaping the benefits, but they had really difficult first few years and then there's the other people who took their time to make their space and get settled you know get established and get their job or their career or whatever and then had kids but then they they have other different struggles on the other side of things where they're like much older and they've got teenagers that they want to go to bed at eight and the teenagers (laughs) yeah i think just different timelines bring different benefits and struggles Yeah. So I think that there's going to be people out there that maybe they haven't dealt with anything that's been going on with them before. They're like, okay, now I'm actually settled. Now I'm established. Now I can actually look at what's been going on with my heart. And maybe it is that I need to make myself ready to go out and have this amazing relationship or start something new or have a mission or have kids or whatever it might be. That's the timeline that they took. This episode was going to be a little lighter. We've had a few tough shows. For me, the last episode out was was very personal for me because my brother died in my arms. <laughs> Sometimes you have to take all that heaviness and bring in some levity when it's warranted. And I suppose we should get our give our audience a breather, right? <laughs> yeah. Cult jokes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I have a couple of good ones. <laughs> yeah. Get some of that going on up in here. <laughs> oh, my God. So we're going to do a couple of did you hear. Did you hear about the new cult that worships testicles? No. They are sacrilegious. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that is such sacrilege. (laughs) Oh, you are full of sacrilege. (laughs) Did you hear about the new cult that worships fabrics? Mm -hmm. They're Mm -mm. satinists. (laughs) Satinists. (laughs) I'm a lover of satin. (laughs) But this is the one that I could keep laughing about. Have you heard about the pogo stick cult? No. Uh, Profits have gone through the roof. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) 
<laughs> so bad. So bad. Picturing like gray beards and robes like flying through the roof with sandals on their feet, like Moses on a pogo stick. That's what's in my mind right now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Prophets have gone through the roof. <laughs> Take me home, Lord. (laughs) I wonder if this pogo stick can help me bounce to heaven. (laughs) That's probably what it started out as. All right. That was the idea. I'm going to bounce my way to Jesus. (laughs) That could be a dirty joke. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, funny. We are on episode 35, right? 35, yes. Yes. Episode 35. It's it's wild. It's wild. It's crazy and it's cool. I 100%, 100 admit that I did not look this up, but I'm still trying to figure out the seasons thing. Like how some podcasts have seasons and then some don't. And maybe is it like when you get big enough that you get to have breaks and then therefore you get seasons? (laughs) (laughs) You go offline like the TV shows or something. I don't understand. We're going to take three months in Cancun. (laughs) We'll talk to you afterwards. God. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be fantastic. Oh my gosh. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, episode 35, we are here. I am one of your hosts. My name is Whisper, and my very lovely, both outward and inwardly, co-host Jemima. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) So we're best friends. We didn't exactly grow up together. We grew up in the same cult, but we did stay best friends for the last 34 years now. (laughs) We're very old, but yeah, (laughs) we we became friends really young. So Mm -hmm. there's my little caveat. Over the course of those 34 years, we've had a lot of crazy stories that has happened to us or things that we've shared or things that happened to us apart or when the times we were together. And one of the experiences that we've had right away together was having our kids. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so we both had kids really young because you were not allowed birth control. So as soon as you were having um, menstruation, you were in danger of having children. I wasn't that young, though, when Michaela was born. I was yeah. like 20, 25. Mm? Yeah, I was 25. Oh, because I'd already had Kenny by that yeah, time. Oh, yeah. okay. So I had the first two crazy births, and then you came with the third yeah. the, your third show. <laughs> yeah, I was with my boyfriend at that time, and I wanted to have a kid. He wasn't so sure. Yeah. So I was like, look, I'll be fine. I'll just be a single mom. And so then he's like, if you're going to be a single mom, you're going to be in this home. We should have the home vote on it. So everybody (laughs) not only voted whether or not I should be able to get pregnant and have a baby. Are you serious? Oh, yes. But we received prophecies, multiple prophecies, people from Moscow 
we're getting fucking prophecies because we know how I should have a baby. So we, we prayed and heard from the Lord and the Lord said, yes, Jemima should have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) By this time I'd already had a miscarriage. Ironically, the same day that I went into labor one year later was the day that I had my miscarriage. And it was actually around the same time too, because it was really late at night that I had my miscarriage and it was really late at night when I went into labor. So strange. That is. I know. Crazy. Like almost down to the hour. Mm-hmm. One, one year later. Exactly. Yeah. But so I'd had a miscarriage and the second time we decided we need to pray and hear from the Lord. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they said I had a miscarriage because I had chlamydia and I had to get 10 shots in my butt. Wait, you actually did have chlamydia? I don't know. That's what they said in Russia that I had chlamydia. Oh, because okay. Yeah. So I got 10 shots in my butt. And then when I came back to the States, they told me we haven't treated chlamydia like that since the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> I was even, like, if, oh. even if you did have it. because Exactly. And they also said that it hasn't been proven that chlamydia can cause a miscarriage. Maybe now it has... I don't know. That was in the nineties, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So everybody prayed and heard from the Lord and said, yes, I should be able to get pregnant. So then I went back to the States when I was about to give birth about eight months pregnant. Yeah. And that's when I was reunited with you because yeah. you guys were living in Portland, Oregon. And yep. my mom was right there in Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. So we were just like, oh, hell yeah. We started hanging out all the time. I got lots of pictures. I got a picture yeah. of you and me next to the Christmas tree. You had like white stockings on. <laughs> yes. You had little Kenny there. Yes. We had I had several. a big belly and yeah, so we were, we were both like on one end of the other of having kids or not. Like we're. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was. Yeah, that was wonderful time for, for that specific reason, for sure. Yeah. So I'll tell my birth story, but let's be chronological about this. Your second child came first. So you tell his birth story because that's wackadoodle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my, my, my first child's story is wackadoodle, too. Okay, tell that one. During the daytime when I was around, like with a pitcher, so that I could throw up at any given time. Oh, my. Yeah, and I would drink water so that I had something to throw up. In Thailand, all the bathrooms are all tiles. Everything oh. from from ceiling to floor, everything was tiled. And there was like a drain in the middle of the floor so that everything funneled down into this drain. And I would like strip naked because I would be exhausted from being not only pregnant, but like throwing up all day long. Yeah, yeah. It's like and still... Yeah. (laughs) And still, I would have to clean this bathroom before I went to bed at night. By the time I got to the end of the day, I was so traumatized from everything. While I was doing that, my ex would go and boil a big pot of water on the stove. And we had to wait until everybody gone to bed because we all got in big trouble if they found out we were doing this. So he would go back out in the back kitchen and, and boil this big thing of water and bring it in. He would just pour the hot water in one of those big bath things so that I could then take a shower, a scoop shower in warm water. And yeah, I I would just sit there and cry. And sometimes he'd help me wash my hair. 
Because I was just, I was a fucking Aww. disaster. I was such a mess. Yeah. Like he did, he really did try uh, to do what he could at the time. You know, it was a child caring for a child who was having a child. Are you, <laughs> it was a disaster. I was feeling weaker and weaker as the time went on. And I, I suppose if I had a mirror to look into, I would have noticed how skinny I was getting. There was no concept there. But then came the day that I got out of bed and I tried to stand up and my legs just collapsed under me, completely passed out, just collapsed under me. And I think I spent that day trying to figure out what was going on because it was like, am I tired? Am I just too sick? So, of course, the, the home was like, why don't you stay in bed for the day and just rest and everything like that? But the next day, I don't remember being awake or asleep. It was just like I was in and out at all times that day. And anytime I stood up upright, I was passing out. Like I was stone cold passing out. They'd have to shake me to get me to come back. And so my ex was like, we need to go to the doctor. And they were like, no, you can't go to the doctor. That's out of God's will. We'll just pray for her. So I think they spent the next two, three days praying for me. And I was like, not really fully conscious during this time. And Finally, it had gotten so bad. Obviously, I wasn't getting better. (laughs) The prayer was not working. (laughs) It was a big surprise. And so finally, we just said, we're going to the hospital. And they were like, okay, you can go to the hospital if you want to, but you're going to be responsible for every fucking, you know, dime or bot that goes out for that. And we're like, at this point, could we please just save the, the, the life, please? Can we just try that? And... So we went to this, it's just, oh my God, this whole Noel, that was the hospital. They took me into this maternity ward. There was, I think, probably maybe about 12 women in there. Our beds were all like two feet apart. And yeah, picture like you were saying back in Russia in like the 1950s, this is what it looked like. The beds are all metal beds. And I don't know why this weirded me out, why it freaked me out so much, but it did. The whole floor was tiled like a bathroom and it had a drain in the middle of it. Uh. Yes. At some point, something had needed to be washed down that drain. It just, it, yeah. I mean, I was terrible. So it just, it was a tough time. Oh, we spoke a smittering of Thai, but only enough to proselytize, right? To either witness or to sell something. We definitely did not know how to speak Thai in a hospital. Uh -uh. (laughs) And nobody spoke English. Not the doctors, not the nurses. I think they went through the hospital trying to find out if anybody spoke English, but nobody spoke English. And I needed to go pee. And the nurse and my ex, they tried to help me up and get me in one of the bedpans things, but my brain would not let go. I tried so hard, but it was the first time I'd ever seen or sat in it. Like, it just, I had never seen a bedpan before. I didn't know what was going on. And my brain was like, oh, fuck no. So finally, they were like, we got to help her try to go to the bathroom. Of course, they had three bathroom stalls in the room. and They were all Thai-style bathroom stalls. So it's like really narrow bathrooms. Uh, They were very small. And they were squat toilets. And so imagine I couldn't even walk. They had to actually put me in a wheelchair and take me to the bathroom door. And they tried to help me up to go to the bathroom. And that's the last thing I remember. 
And when I came back, I had a watch that I had was completely smashed. I had bruises. I had lumps. And I guess apparently, like, <laughs> stupidly, everybody, because they didn't know what to do, kept trying to, like, let me go pee. And every time I tried to stand up, I was passing out in a f- tile bathroom that was four feet wide. Like, obviously, that's not going to go well. So the last thing that I do remember as far as, like, in this plane was trying to get to the squat toilet. And the next thing that I personally myself remembered was... I came to this place and I've tried before to describe it. There is just no description because it was like everything and it was nothing. Like there was nothing corporeal whatsoever about it, but (laughs) it was this place of such peace and such love. It was so overwhelming. It was so overwhelming. And I didn't feel alone. I couldn't necessarily single out like, specific people but I felt like everybody was there like people that I'd love people that I'd known this is the first time I experienced anything even coming close to love and peace and oh I remember so clearly thinking oh okay so this is what dines and I was like oh this is really different from what we've been told right <laughs> and so when that thought came to my head whatever or whatever there was of me that thought Oh, oh, I'm dying. This is amazing. I was like, yep, I'm out of here. I'm so gone. I'm ready. At that point, at that moment, I felt my son and I felt him so strongly. And I, I was like, okay, (laughs) this isn't just my choice. Actually, there's another human being that's here with me and he deserves a chance at life. Even though I don't deserve a chance at life, he does. That's the last thing I remember in that place that I was, that, I don't know, that that everywhere, nowhere place. And yeah, and then I, it was early morning, the sun was coming up when I came to, and that's when they told me like everything that happened at night, during the night, that, that like, I died. <laughs> and so at this point, they'd hooked me up to IVs and they'd started putting me on this super intense anti-nausea, anti-vomiting medication, whatever it was. And sometime in the afternoon, they brought a doctor from somewhere out of town, like Chiang Mai or something like that, way out of town, because he spoke English. (laughs) And he could talk to about what was going on. I'm trying to imagine what this doctor thought was like, how how did you let this woman, child, (laughs) get to the point where they were so completely dehydrated and so completely malnourished that they couldn't even walk. And they had to have their heart restarted. Like, what? what? So they kept us there another day or two, and I went back to the home in Karat. And then my mom came up. She was in Pati at the time. My mom and dad were splitting and she was taking all the children back to the United States. My grandparents were paying for their tickets. And she just was like, please come back to the United States with me. You're going to get care. You're going to get taken care of. And honestly, like I was terrified. I did not know what was going on with me. I had no clue. And, and I was very scared. And I'd heard enough horror stories, as you can imagine, with different aunties in Thailand. Like I'd heard enough horror stories of what had happened to 
to kids that they tried to give birth to in a very impoverished place. I, I didn't understand enough, except I, I was like, yes, I'm scared. And okay, my grandparents agreed to get us tickets too. And that's when I came back to the States. But before I left, that's when I got the letter from you. I'll never forget opening that letter where I was like, I kept saying to my ex, I was like, can you read this? Date? You must have gotten up that morning and had this what you thought, no, you actually didn't even say it was a dream. You didn't, you knew it wasn't a dream, but you wrote to me that I came to you that night. And the letter said that I, I basically come to you and said, don't worry. Um, everything's going to be okay. Uh, and I'm going to be all right. And it was the night that that whole situation in the hospital had happened. So that was just, that was really like, we always knew that we were connected, but that was that really sealed the deal. I was like, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> there's my there's my second half. But I've had a total of, of five pregnancies. One I lost to a miscarriage, also, and that's another thing that we share. We both have rainbow babies. Mm-hmm. We both have rainbow babies. So my fourth pregnancy was lost, and the next baby I had right after that my rainbow baby was my youngest and I did not know anything about rainbow babies and I think that it's an American thing because I never heard anything about it before actually I haven't heard anything about it except for the last few years and so a baby born after you've suffered a loss of a child whether stillborn or a miscarriage they call it a rainbow baby because it's your miracle or whatever my youngest is actually born on rainbow baby day hmm. which is super, cool. I'm, I'm like you're the double <laughs> rainbow baby <laughs> Validated. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, so that's another thing that we share as as moms. We have a rainbow baby each. But yeah, after that, every pregnancy, I've had to be medicated to keep my food down through, not the first three months, like th- through the nine months of pregnancy. Like I, yeah, it, pregnancy did not agree with my body as easily as it happened. <laughs> <laughs> as easily as I got did not agree with me yeah that was a tough one the the first one and then my second one was really wild and that isn't so much of a scary slash sad story as much as it is a just wild so we were living in seattle the home that we went to had a midwife that would help we have a home birth basically and i didn't want that but i didn't know how to speak up for myself I actually enjoyed my time in Seattle quite a lot. I love the city. It's a beautiful city. I would just take my big old fucking pregnant self and my son, my oldest, who was a little under a year, and we would just go walking around the city and that would be our day. And then about three weeks until the due date, I started having Braxton Hicks, which I I didn't know. And... I told the midwife and she was like, okay, you need bed rest because there's laws about how early on you can have a home birth. So I had bed rest and she was like, you need to drink wine to relax. (laughs) But then we got past a certain point. I think it was about two weeks away from his birth date. And she was like, okay, now stop relaxing. Don't get in the tub anymore. Don't take baths anymore. Don't do any of that. Like now we need to have this kid. So I went for two weeks. I was like going on three, four hour walks a day, like up and down these hills. And because, yeah, Seattle is not flat and (laughs) (laughs) nothing. And then a week came and then two weeks came and I just kept having these Braxton Hicks. 
And the midwife would come and she's like an hour away. I was like, I don't know. They're so close together. And she'd come all the way. I was like two, three centimeters dilated for a month. Like oh the, from the two weeks before to the two weeks after. I, and so now at this point, he's two weeks late. And that's where like, then they start getting concerned on the other end of things. And oh my God, Jemima, they had me fucking drink the castor oil thing. Oh Ugh. my God. You might as well take a fucking liter of engine oil and down it. Like Ugh. that is as bad as it tasted and felt and everything. And basically all it does is induce vomiting. Yeah. Like, like it doesn't do anything else except induce vomiting. And I was like, can, can something else induce vomiting? <laughs> Right? Oh. Put my finger down my throat, for God's sake. It was so, it was so awful. Ugh. Oh, oh, my God. They tried everything. Of course, this, so this is a midwife. She's very, everything's like about like. Natural. Natural and everything like that. She like called me the next morning. She's like, how many orgasms did you have last night? And I'm like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because she was like, she's having as many orgasms as you can have. Go walking. Oh like, everything. Yeah. Everything weird. So she would check in with me in the morning. Okay. Oh, I, I forgot to say, we lived in one of those old Seattle houses that were like, they were a bedroom and, an, and a hallway wide, but they were like four stories high. And we lived on the very, very top floor. And we had this little bedroom. The whole top of our room was slanted because mm. I mean, it was the last bedroom that they had that they could stick us in. And, and the, the roof was slanted. So my, my ex who was six foot two couldn't even stand up straight in this place. And so we had our bedroom and then right outside the bedroom door was, I would say like a four by four space of, this is going to matter later on the story, but it's like about a four by four little landing area at the top of the stairs. And then right off of that, the bathroom in this bathroom. Oh my gosh. It was so, uh, this house, it was old. And so it had that old claw tooth tub that was real big and deep and everything, which is nice. And it had that old plastic linoleum on the floor that was uh, green, lime, bright lime green. Lovely. Yeah, it was amazing. Finally, I called the midwife. I was like, okay, I'm going to have the baby. It's coming. I had cried wolf for a fucking four weeks. At least according to her, I had cold wolf. And she was like, okay, when they get to be such and such a strength, this amount of time apart, then call me back. And she's like, I'm about an hour away. So once they get to this point, uh, it'll t by the time I'm there, I'll be there in time to have the baby and everything like that. About 15 minutes later, 15 minutes later, I call her back. I was like, uh-uh, okay. Because the first call I had, she's like, don't get in the tub. Don't do anything to relax yourself because we need to make sure that this happens. But 15 minutes later, I was like, no. And I think she heard it in my voice at that point where she was like, okay, get in the tub and and prepare yourself and everything like that. And she said, so I'm, I'm going to get in the car and I'm on the way. <laughs> so I go and I get in the tub and my ex is there with me. Again, very small bathroom. That was all there was space for. The bathroom door opened inward. There was like a toilet. There was the bathtub. There was a little room for a little stool. And I got in the tub and I was in there for maybe two minutes. And I looked at my ex and I said, if I have to do this for another hour or two, I, like I'm, I'm going to die. It was so intense. So yeah, we started figuring out and we called the, the midwife back. Five minutes had passed from the time she said, get in the bathtub. <laughs> And so we called her back freaking out. And I was like, I have to push. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she was like, what? And yeah, so she told my ex, can you check? Sure enough. Sure enough. I was like, babe was coming. The 
the water sack was kind of, and the midwife, so she's on the phone trying to tell my ex how to birth a baby. She's like speeding down the highway. She's like, call 911, like whatever you like, call 911 right now. And then I'll walk you through it, but get her out of the tub. She needs to. So I got out of the tubs, soaking wet, right? So I, soaking wet. And I sat on the little stool and I, I had him immediately. And yeah, I learned a lot about childbirth and that that moment for sure. <laughs> when you don't, there's certain things that they take care of that I never imagined that they had to take care of to keep you like together down there. Oh my God, it was painful. So I had the baby. By the way, 911 was still not there. <laughs> I had the baby. My son is now he's wailing, just wailing. And this was the worst part about the whole thing. I guess I know now that they wanted to make sure that he could breathe. <laughs> but the, but the baby was like screaming and I started screaming. <laughs> like, give him tell me. I was, it was, that was the worst part about the whole situation. So next thing I hear all this trap scene on the top, on the floor outside the door, because it's all wood. So I can hear a creak. And I was like, what? There is elephants outside this room right now. And so the doors started opening and heads were popping in. <laughs> all of the men and all of them very good looking men. <laughs> and they're all like popping person after person. And so basically what had happened was they couldn't get in to get me because the, the bathroom was so small. <laughs> so they had to fucking, they took the bathroom door off its hinges. So... Uh, I found out later that they had brought like four, four fire engines and I think just one ambulance, but they brought four fire engines. And so I don't know. It was like, they were everywhere. <laughs> These mm. young, good looking guys everywhere. And I am in the bathroom completely naked, soaked to the bone. Because remember, I just gotten out of the bathtub maybe seven minutes ago, S completely soaked and then now just had a wailing baby in the bathroom. So they finally got the door off of its hinges and then everybody piled in and they were like, Hey, we got to get her to the bedroom. Cause they'd heard that the midwife was on her, her way. So they were like, okay, we'll wait here. We won't take her to the hospital because the baby was obviously very healthy and happy. No, I'm sorry, not happy, very healthy and loud. So they were like, let's just get her to her bedroom. None of the afterbirth had come. So the baby was actually still attached to me. I had five very good looking young firemen. Each took an arm and a leg. <laughs> and the last guy took the baby and they carried slash marched to my bedroom. Oh, naked and wet and oh my god my mom used to tell me you don't get embarrassed when you're having a child do not believe if anyone tells you do not believe them because that is not true I was oh, I was so mortified I was just like holy shit of course I was happy that he came uh, but that was like it was insane I'd never in, in my wildest dreams imagined that was going to happen to me so, mm -hmm. yeah, so they, and because there was like four uh, of these fire trucks five to six guys a truck each one of them had to come and see the baby and me and hear the story again of what had happened there was one woman i do remember that there was one woman i've come much farther these days but she came in and she was like a lot more sympathetic because she was just like they don't get to have good calls like this very often <laughs> and of 
course, that's like, bro- of course, you know, me, I broke my little heart, but I was just like, okay, fine. I'll like, <laughs> that's funny. Oh so she was the one with the, but they all came, like came through my bedroom to come and see me. And, oh my God. It was, yeah. It was like having a baby during a parade. That was literally. Uh, what it was like. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so, well, poor little guy. He had quite the start to this world. Grand entrance. <laughs> <laughs> and then, funny. then, and at that point, then I had two births under my knot. Two two births under the notch of my belt. So then, that qualified me to. <laughs> go to join you now i would have joined you no matter what anyways where were we at this point we had moved down to oregon at this point right yeah you you guys were living in portland yeah as soon as the baby was old enough they wanted us to leave that place in seattle so we got trailer and we moved down to oregon and your brother was there at the time yeah Yeah, we were living with your brother at the time yeah he was there yeah yeah and then remember when you came to go to the birth, that lady from the commune just invited herself. Oh my God. Yeah, she did. She was just like, sure, me too. You're like, she's like, you can't go by yourself. So I guess I'll just have to go with you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I remember you got there and you're like, so is it okay if she's here too? I'm just like, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> it was one of the few times I really remember I was ready to fight somebody. This was a day I was ready to fight somebody. And I like, I'm never like that. I've been like that a few times for my kids, but never anyone else except for y'all. I'm ready to fight somebody. And a few times I pretty much almost did. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised she hung in there for the whole thing because I got to the hospital a little after midnight Yeah, and the baby wasn't born until 3.45 in the afternoon. Yeah, it was a long night. It's a very long, yeah, I puked on your lap. Yep, you did. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally laying down to go to bed and then I'm like, no, baby time. I go in, I wake up my mom. I'm like, mom, I think it's time to go to the hospital. Cause she was already 10 days late Mm. and I had gone in that morning and I was having contractions, but they were pretty far apart. Yeah. So they said, if you don't have the baby in the next two or three days, they were going to induce. So that night I went into actual labor. Yeah. Mine's not nearly as exciting as yours, but well, yes, it is. It's, <laughs> I, it's, it's. I know that you were in pain and having your own time, but it was fun doing that with you. I felt very special to be able to be there and be there when your daughter was born and our daughter was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just long, and I was silly. I, I said bad words. Like, <laughs> which we were so not allowed at the Yeah, because we weren't right? allowed to swear. Mm-mm. No, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, no my goodness, way. no. But they just came <laughs> out. And, and I, I really actually relished it because it was the other auntie. And I was like, yeah. you know what? Shit. This hurts. Shit. I said shit. Maybe I'm imagining this, my my own personal heroicism or something. I felt like she was like cowering in the corner. She just went and got one of those chairs and she just sat there and let us do our thing. It's not super all clear to me. It's hazy. Yeah. I know I was in the bathtub for a while and I ate some pudding, 
mm-hmm. which is what I puked up on your lap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None of us took any pain medications. Nope, not no, no epidurals. No, even afterwards, I yeah. declined the pain pills yeah. after the baby because I was like, nope, I'm good. I don't to. want any yeah. of those. Yeah, exactly. I felt obligated to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was pretty painful afterwards, man. Sitting on those donuts and stuff with your big swollen, swollen oh. ass vagina. Holy shit. That <laughs> sucked. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so bad. We were just like, we've got this. And after 12 hours, 12, 14 hours of that, yeah, you're just spent after that. I was trying to help you sleep in between contractions, but like, how you doze for two minutes. What is that? You stayed in the intense part of the labor for quite some time, didn't you? Yeah, but I passed out for 45 minutes right in the middle of it, too. Sleeping, yeah. Yeah, when I was yeah, supposed yeah, yeah, to be yeah. having the baby, I just crashed yeah, out. Yeah, you just like fell asleep. That is I've been awake for, by that time, a, a day and a half. And mm-hmm. plus, I'm in labor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I also felt obligated to put on a show, so... <laughs> well they, so, they kept like they kept bringing you out and flipping you over this way and flipping you over that way yeah and then i was like george of the jungle oh <laughs> no oh no it's because i was making a, a scream at a, a pregnancy yell and i was yeah, like and oh then, and then it sounded like george of the jungle and i was like <laughs> oh George, 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 the jungle, strong as he can be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And the nurse was like laughing so hard because like with every contraction, you would do that. Like George, 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 the nurses were like, I've never seen anything like this before. And there was like two or three times too. The other thing that you kept doing was like, I want everybody to just leave me alone. I just can't you just leave me alone. What, what is everybody? This one you kept saying, what does everybody want from me? <laughs> and I, was like, I don't remember that. Oh, I was like, sweetie, to have your baby. <laughs> That's what we want from you. <laughs> to have your baby. And then, so we were there mainly with the nurses. And yeah. then your actual doctor that you knew was not there. I don't know right. what, where she was. It was a midwife too. I was supposed to have okay, a you were midwife. Spo- and then, and then she, was, some, she was gone. So the, some doctor came in. Some doctor came in that I think she had been like let off the cart of med school like the day before because she was like young and she was an asshole. She was, a, she was, oh, she was terrible. And she w- kept coming in and checking on you and saying things like, you're at this many centimeters and this is where you're at now. And I'm like, I am the oldest of 11 children. I've seen so many children be born. Don't do this. Like, you know what I mean? I was getting really annoyed because she was coming in and it wasn't like she was talking to you about where you were at, how are you feeling? She was just telling you clinically what was going on at the time. As if not even she was narrating a documentary because she wasn't doing a good job at it. I was like, this is not appeasing to me. And then finally, I think as it was getting later, we passed the morning and you would crash out for a while. And you were so exhausted and delirious almost. Because that's at the point where you, know, you were saying, what does everybody want from me? I just want to be left alone. But she came in and she was like, so we're going to break her water back. We're going to, we need to break your water back because your water hasn't broken yet. And, and, I, and we're, I was like, okay. And we went in the bathroom uh-huh. together. I have to this day not really heard any birth story that I know of where 
the mom doesn't get to this point where they're just like, I can't do this. Like, nah. <laughs> As if you have any other choice. But you're like, no, I can't do this. And I'm and scared. We were, yeah, I'm so scared. And you kept saying, but what if she doesn't like me? And the doctor, uh, obviously, she had to get on her rounds or whatever she was at. She was like, I need to break her back. And we were having our thing, whatever was going on in the bathroom. Like, you were very, I was crying. You were crying and weeping. And like, I'm so scared. And like, what if she doesn't? like me what if i'm not a good mom Uh and she kept trying to like fucking butt her nose in and trying to explain to you what the process was of breaking the water do you remember oh yeah and 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 finally at one point i turned around and oh my god i just figured ambassador that is not what she's fucking afraid of Uh (laughs) that is not what's happening here we know what it takes to to break water back could you just get out i just like get out and she was so shocked she not only left the bathroom she left the whole room oh my god that was crazy i i i couldn't believe i had that in me to do that especially back in those days but yeah and then you and me we finally got to that point where you're like you're good you you can do this and of course as you do you rallied 100 and you're like okay let's let's have the baby (laughs) you bathroom like none of the last 45 minutes had ever happened you're like okay let's have the baby and you're trotted out of the bathroom i was like oh my god here we go it was <laughs> so funny and then the nurse ran and got the doctor and and we broke your water and i don't think she came too much longer after that i think you pushed for a while it was your first kid so yeah yeah first and only but though that one takes a while yeah it was a very long labor yeah, it really was. 36 hours. She was so comfy in there. She was just like, no, uh, no. And she came out with rolls. <laughs> yes. Looking like the Michelin man. <laughs> rolls on her arms, rolls on her legs. And she was squeaky clean, too. You know how a lot of babies have blood and stuff on them? Yep. Nope. Clean as a whistle. <laughs> I think it's because, like, it's uh, like, I was just showering back in there. Like, don't mind me. <laughs> she took so long to come out. Everything was all dried up. I don't know. <laughs> but she just came out, whoop, clean as a whistle. And I'm like, don't wash her. Don't wash her. Oh, my God. Yes. Remember, rub yeah. in the vernix. And then they're trying to make me give her all these shots. And I'm like, I only mm-hmm. want what's required by state law. That's the only thing. They're like, we have to give her this. I'm like, why? Why do you have to give my baby all these shots? And I'm like, I give her 10 shots in her foot. And I'm like, hell no. Vitamin K or something was mm-hmm. the one yep. that was the required by law. Yeah. So I was like, I'm only having what I absolutely have to have. So if I have to have that by law, then I'll have it. But I don't want nothing else. I had two to get through. And then you had the one. Yeah. So. Crazy birth stories, man. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. Grateful for them. We wouldn't be here without our kids. Let's we face the not. facts. Mm-mm. Let's face we the not. facts. We not. They mean more to me than anything when i left the cult i was on a big path of self-destruction for a Mm. long time and i don't think i ever would have come out of it or or survived it at all if it wasn't for my daughter i think i would have literally gone off the deep end lost myself become a prostitute or something because (laughs) when i first left i was on a big sex craze even when i first got together with my husband it was swinger club after swinger club and just (laughs) 
a lot of that. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you had, uh, had to sort it all just out. So much you have to sort out. Yeah, absolutely. So it was. Much it was a lot to sort out. sort out. You're going from age, what, 12 to 25 that you've got to squeeze into a few years. All those experiences that people take 12 to 25 years to, to have. We have to get them over in two to 10. I think some of them we're still doing now. Now that our kids are grown and gone and we're actually, oh, okay, wait, who am I without my children? (laughs) (laughs) That I do not know. It's a whole, like, I don't even know yet. We're going to find out, though. We're going to find out. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that was our birth. Holy cow. It's probably going to gross a few people out. They're going to be like, what? <laughs> Don't talk to me about water, your water bag. <laughs> oh, man. I had yeah. went to two different births of the leadership. Some of the NASAs that yeah. I was with both had babies in Thai hospitals. Dude, that was quite an experience. Whoa. Open air. We're talking like flies and lizards walking around and shit and people mm. are having babies. But I swear, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if it was because it was her six or eight kid or something. But man, we got there. We were in and out of there in three hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. I swear to God. Four, I think four hours. Talk. Maybe not maybe they make the environment so hostile. There. <laughs> Mom's like, I got to get out of here. No, it's like, it's, honey, it's... there's a cockroach. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> Not like there wasn't cockroaches in our houses. Oh, my gosh. Okay, but to be super fair to the wonderful country of Thailand, unfortunately, because we were these fucking white people that were as poor as the people that were begging on the street. So we went to the poor people's hospitals. There is actually a, a very thriving and very forward medical industry in Thailand. It's very safe. Let's wrap up. That was a lot coming all at you guys. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed hearing those those very fun stories. If, if they're not fun, they're unique. At least if this wasn't your cup of tea, definitely come back next week. We're going to have the amazing, the beautiful, wonderful Susan Cagle with us. She is amazing. She has a wonderful heart and wonderful soul. And she has a very beautiful singing voice too. She's uh, got a wonderful story. And we're really excited to have her, honored to have her. So yeah, come back next week and listen uh, to her story. And remember that every butterfly was once a caterpillar. <laughs>